Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. An instant dub just for you guys. The MVP odds are heating up. Just so you guys know, on DraftKings today, December 18th, Nicole Jokic plus 210, Luka Doncic plus 400, Joel Embiid plus 425, Shea Gilgis Alexander plus 900, Giannis plus 900, Jason Tatum plus 1,800. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having an incredible week. I have a very special guest coming on the show today. Someone that, especially early on, when I really wanted to get into this industry, someone that I looked up to, someone that I respected a great deal. And most importantly, one of the smartest basketball minds that I know, someone that I lean on a lot when I'm uh, picking people's brains around the NBA. Mr. Sam is Fondiari, co-host of the Light Years podcast, covers the Warriors. Uh, him and Andy do an amazing job covering the Warriors on a daily basis. We're going to have him in today to break down everything from this incredibly bizarre first third of the season. So, Sam, this is where I want to start today. 
So last night, obviously, the story was the young guys, Trace Jackson Davis, Jonathan Kaminga. I thought Moses Moody played really well. Uh, Pazamski, before he got hurt, was playing really well as well. And we can look in the bigger picture and see some clear data that demonstrates that's the direction that the Warriors have needed to go for a while. If we look at, according to Cleaning the Glass, the best plus-minus guys on the Warriors, Trace Jackson Davis, the Warriors are 22 points better with him. Podzemski, nine points better. CP3, eight points better. Gary Payton, six points better. Another young athlete. Jonathan Kaminga, six points better. And then the bottom four guys are Wiggins, minus 17, Looney, minus 10, Draymond, minus nine, and Clay, minus four. So it's been one of those things where it's obvious that the young guys are the direction that Steve Kerr needs to go within the context of the regular season. That said, Sam, you've been covering a dynasty. You know firmly what it takes to succeed in the NBA playoffs. How much of this do you think is just a regular season solution versus guys that you think can hold down a spot in a playoff rotation? I think it's probably a mix of both. You are correct in saying, like, if you're looking to count on a bunch of guys under the age of 23 in the playoffs, typically that doesn't work. You can usually get away with one or two in your rotation, but. I mean, if you look at the Warriors right now, they should be starting three guys on rookie deals. They should be starting Trace Jackson Davis. <laughs> they are starting Kuminga, and they are starting Pajemski. And just realistically speaking, that's uh, that would be unprecedented to, to make a deep playoff run with that. Um, you kind of nailed it. The most interesting part of the Warriors' struggles uh, in the early part of the season, and I think we have enough sample size, like we're a third of the way through the season to say it, it's not actually the older guys. It's not Chris Paul. Like he's he's been steady in a backup point guard role. He is who he is, but it's been generally positive play. It hasn't even been Clay who's kind of come alive the last month. It's been the two guys who you would assume would be the most consistent contributors. The two guys who are 27, 28 years old, theoretically in their prime, the guys that they were thinking they could lean on, um, Wiggins and Looney. And I don't know what to make of either of them, like why they're struggling so much. It It's confounding. Like Steve Kerr's given them a lot of rope. There, there have been calls to change the lineup well before the last four games. Uh, and I get it. Uh, you need Wiggins to play well. You're not going to just bench him in mid-November because he can't hit a shot. But, you know, we're, we're approaching Christmas. Uh, and even after he had a really good game coming off the bench, just a no-show against Boston, a team he tormented less than a year and a half ago in the finals and a matchup that's generally favorable to him. So, like, I, I don't really know what to say. All I know is, like, he's playing really bad, and Looney, you can throw in the mix there, too. I have an insane Andrew Wiggins stat for you. So, in <laughs> in 25 games this year, and I believe last night was one of them, uh, Andrew Wiggins has logged nine single-digit scoring games. In 193 Warriors games over the previous four years, he had nine total single-digit oh. scoring games. I mean, I mean that matches that matches the eye test. It's like it's not one particular thing that he's doing. He's obviously not shooting the ball well. You just don't feel him out there in any way. In like, I don't know. 75% of the games, he'll have a random game where you're like, that's the Wiggins I remember. That's the guy who was so instrumental in the 2022 playoffs. Uh, but most games are more like last night against Boston. Can't hit a shot, floats in and out of the game. Uh, and I honestly think 
the shot probably has a psychological effect on it. Like when he, when, when he doesn't see it going in, then he starts missing layups, which is even more bizarre. Oh. Then he starts floating on defense. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's, it's not logical. It's not like, it's not like he's uh, a malcontent or he's not trying. It's just bad. Yeah, mentally, I think a big part of it is the fact that his shot is not falling is starting to manifest in other areas of his game. Like, this is a guy that during the championship run, I thought was firmly one of the top four or five best perimeter defenders in basketball. Like, without a doubt. Like, this dude is the first guy I've ever seen in a playoff series legit make Luka uncomfortable. Like, like that, mm-hmm. uh, 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 that's a huge claim to fame in, in that specific case. And like, it, it's not just the athletic engagement that fades. It also starts to affect his decision-making. Like you see last night, it's like he smokes that wide open layup on the right side of the right. rim to start. And then it's like a couple possessions later, he just early in the clock takes a pull-up 15-footer that's contested. And you're like, Ugh, like that's, that's not the kind of shot that's going to get you out of a slump. And, you know, that, that's the thing is like a lot of times when it comes to, to these types of struggles, the best thing you can do is be more focused and be more deliberate mm-hmm. about doing your job. And it almost seems like as his offense is fading, he's just going further off the reservation in in the sense that he he's losing his focus and you know that's the concerning part because you know a, a lot of a lot of warriors fans are like oh they need to change the starting lineup they need to change the starting lineup and we all agree that that's the direction they needed to go but uh, from Kerr's perspective it's always more complicated than that and you know coaches are supposed sure. to be more measured they're supposed to be able to kind of withstand some of the up and down nature of the emotions of an nba season and games as well and like i'm 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 kind of okay with him being late to that party rather than early to that party and to his credit he made the shift and jonathan kaminga i saw yeah. i saw you posted this morning the uh the numbers the difference between Jonathan Kaminga and how well he plays when he's with the starters versus when he comes off the bench so let me ask you this do you think that Andrew Wiggins off the bench is going to send him further down that path or do you think this is going to kind of motivate him to be more engaged and to try to work his way back into that lineup it's hard to say because uh if if we record this pod before the Boston game I'd say oh see it worked he uh it was against Portland Probably his best all-around game of the season. Mm-hmm. You just felt him. He hit his shots. You felt him defensively. You felt him rebounding the ball. It looked like the best version of Wiggins. Uh, and and after I watched the game, I was like, oh, it's only a matter of time before Steve puts him back in the starting lineup. Uh, stroke of genius, blah, blah, blah. And then he just comes out and does this the next game. So I don't know. Um, but I don't think they have a choice because you read those splits, the plus minuses at the beginning of the show. Clay has great splits and Steph has great splits since they took Wiggins out of the starting lineup. Like it was pretty much all Wiggins tearing them down. And if you go into like the plus minus data from earlier in the season, this was true too. Um, It's too easy to say like, he's the, you know, the only problem with the team. They have, they have issues all over the place, but like, it's hard to argue that like, it's not happening. Every time he was inserted in a lineup, they were playing playing worse. He can't. He wasn't hitting shots. He wasn't really defending. There was no impact there. Clay's actually a great example of he's going through the same thing Andrew Wiggins is in a lot of ways, yeah. except for his approach is like he's just 
more focus. You can tell his shot selection has improved over the last few mm-hmm. games. Just in general, he's approaching it like, I'm just going to find a way to do as much as I can to help winning, and the shots will fall. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and that's the thing. is like he, he missed a bunch of clean looks in OT, but over the course of most of the second half, I thought he just played a really smart game, taking the right shots. He generated a lot of open role opportunities for Trace Jackson Davis. I thought, I thought it was a great... Uh, Clay Thompson uh, uh, stretch here over the course of the last couple of weeks. So, um, Steve Kerr, been, go, ahead, um, go ahead. I was going to say to to the Clay point, they've been playing faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of their uh, slow start, or really just uh, terrible November, if you want, if, if you want to kind of really uh, hone in on it, was they were like one of the bottom teams in pace, which is just the opposite of what you associate the Warriors with. Some of that was the Draymond suspension trying to figure out how to use Chris Paul. He's a naturally more methodical player. Uh, but Clay was the one who I think it affected the most because, you know, he he's a movement shooter. He moves off of screens. He's not a half-court player. He's not a, you know, dribble, 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 get my shot guy. Like, if he does that, he tends to be inefficient. And since they made the lineup change and everything, they look more like the Warriors, just in terms of style of play, pace, and everything. And if he's open it's the numbers tend to be favorable for him well you know you know what's interesting too about the starting lineup in particular is like i do think that a big part of what made the looney draymond front court no longer functional in the regular season mm-hmm. is the decline of andrew wiggins and the fact that sure. clay was not playing as well as he had been it, it right. became to like cuz what was happening is cuz we again we all saw that same lineup just crush everybody the previous year and literally win the title the year before and again that that doesn't mean just cuz it won't work against the lakers doesn't mean it shouldn't work against the vast majority sure. of the teams you play over the course of the regular season and i thought a big part of it is like once the offensive shot creation kind of dipped below that whatever that mandatory minimum was to be able to make that work. It it just, it just stopped functioning and that's where it became a problem. Um, And and to your point. Yeah. I mean, they were reliant on three guys being 40% three point shooters, two of which being Steph and clay were like two best of all time. So yeah, if Wiggins is not hitting shot and is a non shooter, then I mean, yeah, that's three guys who are just non-offensive threats, and of course it doesn't work, right? And, and the misses have been ugly with Wiggins as of late, too. It, the, yeah. It's flat, it's long, it's it's not, it just mm-hmm. it just looks like he's chucking shots up at this point. It, it seems uh, a little bit um, like a lost cause. So I wanted to talk a little bit big picture. So 16th in offense, 18th in defense to this point, 18th in net rating. They are 3-1 and one since they changed the starting lineup. They've really struggled defensively in those games, but obviously Draymond Green being out is going to play a role there. They are 13 and 14, one game back of the 10 seed. I do think it's important to mention, and this is something I've been hammering on the entire year. Shams reported yesterday or two days ago that Draymond's going to be out basically the rest of this week and then two more weeks after that, and then potentially mm-hmm. longer, but let's just say through the next uh, two and a half weeks for uh, as a minimum. Uh, if that yeah. was the case, he'd miss nine more games. They play Washington and Portland. Then they go to Denver. Then they play Miami, Dallas, Orlando, Detroit, Toronto. All those games are at home except for the Denver game. Uh, Again, they played one of the toughest early schedules that you saw around the league. And I would argue even without Draymond, it's more likely than not that they're above 500 in that stretch with all those games at home and against some of these lesser teams. So like a lot of this is actually shaped out uh, considering how horrific it looked, and especially on the heels of this recent three-game winning streak, there's actually like a light at the end of the tunnel here. I think Draymond could return to the lineup and then be close to 500 or over 500. So my question for you is, do you believe this team is worth investing in 
I do. I think I think if you were to look at this team, they're about a 500 team right now. Uh, 13 and 14, they could easily be 15 and 12, but whatever. They're a 500 team. You insert Draymond, they're more or less the team they were last year to me. Wiggins has fallen off, but Kuminga's gotten better. They're sitting, in my mind, as net second tier. They're not a contender. They're one piece away, it feels like, in general. Um, and you know what? If you have one of the handful of players who's capable of being the best player in the title team, and Steph very much still is capable of doing that, and you're, let's say, one player away, I think you have to go for it. I really do. doesn't mean you make a trade just for the sake of it, but if the right opportunity comes up, like they really do feel one player, uh, maybe he's a second or a third option. Honestly, maybe someone who just replaces the production that Wiggins gave you two years ago. Um, then I think they have a puncher's chance against against the contenders, against the Denver, against the Lakers, against whoever comes out of the East. Uh, so I, I think they have to look at it that way. And that's why, in my opinion, this stretch is really important because if they come out of it on the other side, you know, sitting in that six to eight range in the playoffs, really just being kind of in the mix, which is even as the 10 right now, just looking at the standings, they are a whopping two games out of the six seed or three games. Out, like they're right. <laughs> they're there, right. right. It's not, it's not that big, de- that big a deal. As long as they stay in the mix, I think there's a lot of pressure on management to do something. Yeah. Uh, if they obviously go into free fall, losing at home to Detroit and some of these games, well, then they've given management easy out to reset and not go for it. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where I think when you were looking at the the Draymond suspension originally and you were looking at the schedule and you're like, man, Clippers, Nets, uh, Lakers, or Celtics. Celtics, you're like, man, they could drop three of these four and suddenly be three games out of the plane and be staring down a, 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 yeah. a you know a three week stretch without Draymond. It's crazy how just those three wins kind of changes the perspective mm-hmm. of everything. And it, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of the Lakers last year, where it was like, you just got to get to February somehow, and like if they can if right. they can reconfigure, then you can make your run. Now, that's go ahead. Yeah, that's how I that's that's kind of how I felt about it the whole year. They kind of do feel like last year's Lakers in the sense of you have a giant expiring who doesn't really fit your roster and Chris Paul. Although Chris Paul, to be fair, has he's been a pro. I don't think you could have asked more for this. You know, he's been a pro, he's played that role well. He's just not what they need mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, yeah. Um and they have some assets. They have young guys, although the young guys actually are playing well. And then they do have some picks they can move. They don't have all their picks. They have some. Um, yeah, to your point, it's kind of like the Lakers. Just get stay in the mix and see what's available at the deadline. Yeah, and like it's actually kind of interesting because I was talking about this on my show last night. Like, it, you know, you look at this lineup and they're like closing the game with Trace Jackson Davis and Jonathan Kaminga. And 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 you look at it and you go like, there's no way this is what they're going to roll out there in April. But like, it kind of reminds me of the Lakers stretch last year where it's like, there's these, it's like when Anthony Davis got hurt and it's like this weird mm-hmm. LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, just drive and kick party that they had for like a month. And yeah. they just hovered around 500 to just give themselves a chance. You know what I mean? And like, that's kind of the way mm-hmm. I look at it. Like they're going to be big underdogs against Denver, big underdogs against probably Orlando. Don't get me wrong. Like Dallas probably will be a favorite as well against them. Like yeah. they're going to, they're, they're going to drop some of these games just from a simple talent standpoint, but if they can just sure. like hang in there and linger around 500. Now the question is, 
Because one of the things that I've talked about is like, I actually view Jonathan Kaminga as one of the most enticing young players around the league. And so what becomes tricky is you've got this group of young players, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Trace Jackson Davis, and Brandon Podzemski. And essentially, if you are going to try, you and I have talked about this on other platforms uh, and over text sure. as well, this idea of like who, what archetype should the play, uh, should they target? And so I want to kind of approach this from two fronts. So let's start with the archetype. What type of player do you think rounds out a core five with Golden State mm-hmm. that could be the group you go down with in the Western Conference Finals? It's got to be a front court player, and it needs to be a two way front court player for the most part. Um, there's some leeway there, but like we go back to the Draymond and Looney thing doesn't work anymore. Okay. They honestly got more mileage out of it than I think anyone thought they could. But the reality is you need to stagger those guys. And the way Looney's playing, like you know, he might not be in the rotation in the playoffs. I kind of think he'll come around in some capacity. But anyway, it's a different conversation. <laughs> they need you can go back and watch the Lakers series. If they had another four or five, they beat the Lakers. But the Lakers knew they had no one to put at that combo made it easy for Anthony Davis to just wreak havoc on them, and they just couldn't score enough. That's what it comes down to. So I'm not saying it's easy to find that guy, but like we've seen the names floated. Pascal Siakam, Lowry Markinen, potentially available at the deadline. They're not perfect fits, but both of those guys would significantly raise the ceiling of this team, and those are the type of players they should be pursuing. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's interesting because like last year, that was literally what they were doing. It's like, let's try Gary Payton. Let's try Jamichael Green. They, they were just trying. Was to, movie, yeah, yeah, it was like, who's going to be this guy that we can use? Yeah, there, and there was always one flaw in one of those players that made it just just not work. And it's like, there aren't enough Jamichael Green pick and pop threes that he could make to justify all of the other right. elements of the game, right? And, you know, I, I Siakam's the guy that I keep coming back to because I 100% agree. Like, Stephen Clay, I'm going down with Stephen Clay. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm going down with Stephen Clay. Uh, whether or not it's Wiggins or Kaminga at the three, that's a that's a decision for another day, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But to me, it's Draymond at the five, Stephen Clay at the one, two, and then one of those athletic forwards, and then another type of player in that archetype. And that's why I keep coming back to Siakam because one of the things that the Warriors have always been very good at is like, even when Steph Curry gets en- ends up on switches, they're able to scram him out of it or to, uh, to uh, or they'll try to hedge and recover to keep him out of the switches. Or even when he gets on the switch, they provide excellent backside help and give him a job that he can do pressing up. And like Clay Thompson holds up excellent on switches. Whoever that forward is, uh, Wiggins or Kaminga would mm-hmm. hold up Draymond. The Pascal Siakam, that to me is where yeah, I it might I, even be GP too. Exactly. Yeah. And I start to look at that group of five as like, okay, this is something where if I'm Denver and I'm sitting game planning for the series, I'm like, shit, what do we do about this? Like, this is going to be somewhat right. of a problem. So, but here's where it gets complicated because that Wiggins Kaminga piece there is, is is going to be the challenge. Cause if I'm Toronto, I'm like, sure, yeah, you can have Pascal, but Jonathan's coming. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they're going to say. So out of the Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Trace Jackson Davis, Brandon Pazemski crew, who do you view in that crew as, like, indispensable versus, like, I would be willing to trade for an upgrade for a short window run with Steph? Okay. Um, This is going to be funny. Uh, (laughs) Brandon Pajemski is the only one I really struggle to trade. Just given the fact that he's a 20-year-old rookie and clearly better than all the other players, even though he doesn't play the position you want. He's a he's a combo guard. He's got good size for a point guard, a little undersized for a two. But you just watch him play. He actually represents uh, a potential building block for them in a lot of different ways. The passing, the shooting, the defense. He's like a weird hybrid of Jalen Brunson and Caruso at times. Uh, very interesting player. I would, it would hurt to trade him. Is where I'm at with it, and I would, I would be tempted to say no. Kuminga would be number two. I would be willing to part with him if you got a Pascal Siakam or a Lowry Markinen, because essentially they'd be taking his spot at power forward in general. Uh, and the assumption would be if you're making that trade, 
you're keeping said player. You're not trading for a you know a three month rental of Siakam and then letting him walk. So it would hurt because at some point Kuminga will be a better player than Siakam. But if you're thinking about the next three years, he won't be. You know, he just won't be. Uh, and then Moses Moody, he's a good player, but he just he's just kind of always the odd man out. He's I don't want to say he's a replaceable three and D player because every team needs those guys, but be willing to give him up if needed to entice a team. I just don't know that he's enough of a sweetener to pull off a deal. To your point, anyone wanting to make a trade with the Warriors is going to want future draft picks where they're betting against the war. You know, they're betting that Steph will eventually get old and they don't have anything else. Um, And then they want Kuminga because he's the most obvious. Like I could see this guy being like, Jalen Brown level all-star one day I could see him being a guy that you know we can build around like he's not going to be your first option he's not going to be Kawhi Leonard which some people thought like there's a chance he could be coming out of the draft but he is an effective two-way wing and you can never have too many of those yeah I think he has the highest potential out of that group but I also think he's very clearly the guy that has the more bizarre basketball fit within the Warriors system in terms of just like their five out read and react type of stuff. Like he, to me, is going to be a very good player for a long time in the NBA for somebody. And like some of this with the, with fans, like you got to, you almost got to like understand because uh, a lot of them will be like, we can't afford to give up Kaminga. We can't afford to give up Kaminga. And it's like, I totally get that. You don't think the Clippers, when they gave away Shea Gildas Alexander, were like, that dude's going to go be amazing for OKC. They knew it. Of course they did. They had him in building for all those years. They saw his work ethic. They saw what he was doing, you know? and like Or like Ingram. Or Ingram. Or like Ingram for Anthony Davis. Ingram was very clearly going to be a good player. Uh, but, you know, you kind of have to do that deal, right? Timeline and fit. And like, and like that's my thing. Is like It's really this simple. You mentioned Steph being at that level still, and I 100% agree. 28 points per game, 65% true shooting. That When you have that in-house, and you have the guy that can stare Jason Tatum in the face and out-execute him down the stretch of a big game, when you have a guy at that caliber, it's just such a rare thing to have around the league. And every team mm-hmm. that wins the title, if you hoist the trophy, you got one of those guys. It's like an extreme right. rarity if you don't, right? And, and even then, it's like we're looking at the Spurs with like Duncan who used to be that guy right so like you have to have that guy that's the foundational piece you also have the means with which to put next to him a legitimate number two like Pascal Siakam which then all of a sudden slots all these other guys into very achievable roles and so the way you have to look at it is it's like is Kaminga going to be better than Pascal Siakam in two three years Probably, yeah. Like, probably. Like, there's that's that's certainly something that he can do, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised At if that's some what we point see. he will be. One day, Siakam will be 34, and he'll be 25. It, Math just tends to work out in his favor that it, way. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, it's just a simple question of like, like to Toronto, they're in a different timeline. They're thinking sure. Scotty Barnes. They're thinking, okay, what if we add a, a another small, another uh, a big athletic forward next to Scotty Barnes? Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he, if if there's a fit there. Siakam, we might have to extend on this long term deal. May not fit the timeline as well. Or you're the Golden State, and it's like Jonathan Kaminga can be really good, but Steph's 35. Clay is starting to see some signs of slowing down. We got to do something here to try to reconfigure this thing. It's it's just a no brainer that like you might have to consider a swap where you get rid of one of those guys to the fit point Podzemski, I a hundred percent agree with you because like I look at him as a guy that's like such an obvious natural fit in the warrior system you mentioned his strength that's an important piece like he's just if he's gonna 
actually be that good of a point of attack defender, which like he's blowing me away as a rookie. Uh, I'm not saying you want him guarding Jamal Murray or someone in a playoff series per se, but like if he's this good now, imagine what he could be in a year's time. That also allows you to slot clay at small forward significantly easier where he's he's kind of better guarding strength than quickness anyway at this stage of his career. So that slotting piece is the big one there. And like that's where if you get a Siakam and like let's say let's say you do one of the other things too is like we have to factor in that if you trade Jonathan Kaminga and you bring in Pascal Siakam, that may very well end up freeing up rotation minutes for Wiggins to have a larger berth yeah. for him to try to figure things out. Because right now, like I look at Siakam as a guy who can also play the same role that Saric is playing on this team, like as essentially an anchor front court player for their bench units too. And like mm-hmm. in, in general, when you start to, to, to build lineups, you can keep a, a, a Podziemski in point of attack roles that are achievable for him uh, uh, with sure. his level of athleticism. I, I, I'm 100% with you on that one. And again, Moody, like Moody's obviously one of the more expendable appearing players in that group. It's just to your point, he's not a sweetener. There's no there's no team around the league that's like, man, I need Moses Moody on my roster. They're like, oh, yeah, right. if we took him in a deal, we'd be happy with Throw him. him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you're, you'd be hoping maybe if you throw him in, you don't have to include an extra pick, right? Exactly. So then you're not as worried about when everyone gets old or something to that effect. Um, yeah, I mean, the more you talk through it, like it's obvious. The other thing Siakam has working to his benefit is he's 29. Uh, so really, if you feel confident for the next three years, he can be productive for you. That's probably the max amount of time you're going to get out of Stephen Clay. I mean, Steph could just continue to defy the odds, but you kind of have to take these in like two to three year increments at this stage, right? Makes sense. He's younger. He can carry more of a load for you uh, and help you preserve Steph because end of the day, when you get to like serious playoff basketball, you're going to need like the best version of Steph to show up. Well, one of the things that Siakam brings to the table too that the Warriors never really had is he brings a guy that you can start using for an alternative method of offensive attack. Yes. What I mean by that is like, you know, Wiggins was a guy that teams would live with attacking matchups and he'd get his 18 to right. 20 doing that, but it wasn't something that they could like really depend on in late game situations. Now imagine a situation where Siakam has to be guarded by a bigger forward and Steph is guarded by a quicker point of attack defender. And you now open up a two man game there where you can now you know, throw the ball down to the block to Pascal Siakam. And he's been one of the most effective post players in the league this year, attacking matchups. It gives you just a different look because again, you mentioned the Lakers series. That was a big part of it. It wasn't just the fact that they didn't have five man groupings that could thrive around Steph and pick and roll. It was also that it just had to be Steph pick and roll every time. They just, they didn't have another action they could run that could depend, dependably uh, generate quality shots. And so to me, like Siakam is that guy too, where like, I think, I think the Warriors might value him a little higher than some of the other teams out there who might be targeting bigger fish, like a Laurie Markkinen, like a OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. I think is someone is, that some teams will probably view as a better player right. than Sia- uh, Siakam. So like Siakam, I think is an achievable goal as well. And, and I think that goes a long way towards like making it well, more and to, and to your point, what uh, one of the Warriors other big issues is shot creation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, you know, they move the ball. They get a lot of mileage out of guys who can't create their own shot. Uh, and, and then, you know, it inevitably turns into Steph save us offense. <laughs> it would be nice to have another player who, to your point, you can just, you can throw the ball to and just, you know, let, let him score on the post, let him go one-on-one from the mid post. Uh, the things we see him do at Toronto. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he addresses a lot of their needs. 
yeah, he's a bad three point shooter. It'd be nice if he could do that too. But if he was a, if he did all the things he did and shot 40% from three, then you're talking about like Kevin Durant white type of stuff. And so you can't have it all. I think all overall more positives than negatives. And Siakam's also having one of his better defensive seasons in recent years. And he's like a legitimate weapon, a guy that has. Yeah. Tons of big game experience. I, I think I that's think it's the that's the no part we didn't even really talk about. Like he's a seamless fit to their defense. Oh my god! You can just plug him in. You put him next to Draymond Wiggins. Uh, gets back to himself as the small forward clay that resembles kind of the dynasty warriors teams with the switching and the versatility defensively um, that they've gotten away from just by virtue of the personnel they're playing right now. And again, I would just put Wiggins back into the starting lineup if that happened, and I'd be like, I know that with Steph, Clay, Siakam, and Draymond, we're still going to win a lot of games, And if even if Wiggins mm-hmm. isn't playing well. And just, you're basically taking a bet that he's going to get it together at that point. I, I have one last question. The shot will eventually fall. Yeah, ex- eventually. exactly. And then, and then trickle yeah. down into some other things. So uh, I have one last mm-hmm. question for you before we get out of here. So cool. um, as you and I both know, the uh, just about every fan base out there uh, blames the coach anytime anything goes wrong, and I think we all agree that Steve Kerr has made some mistakes this season. I think I think there are mistakes of you know it's funny I've been watching I've been watching this show on Apple TV called For All Mankind. It, like there's some, there's okay. like these older astronauts and like it, it spans over decades and like we're to the future now and all the old astronauts are mad at all the young people and they're all like kind of you know stuck in their ways kind of get off my lawn type of people. And I kind of feel like that happens a little bit where, you know, you've got Steve Kerr and you've got Clay Thompson going like, I believe in these guys to the end. And you've got, and it's just, I do think that a big part of this is like, they're late to the party, but they're getting to the party. And that's the kind of thing that happens with some of these older guys that have had a lot of success in the past. Now, what we have been discussing is effectively a reconfiguration of the Warriors, not just in, not just in lineup construction, but it it also could fundamentally change the way they play if Pascal Siakam comes in. I could see them doing sure. more switching defensively. I could see them. Right. I could see them uh, off- offensively running more heliocentric stuff where they do spam a specific action like a two man game with Steph and Siakam. Or it's it's a reconfiguration. So my question for you is: Do you still believe in Steve Kerr as the guy to lead this configuration of the Warriors, a reconfiguration of the Warriors? I should say. Yeah, I mean, look, no coaches without their uh, idiosyncrasies that annoy you, right? And part of the struggles this season is like this roster really needs a coach who's better at development, who's more trusting of young guys. Like like the OKC games stick in my mind just because they got beat by Chet Holmgren hitting game-tying <laughs> threes twice. Like what are the odds of that, right? But – um in both those games, I would I would point to someone like Mark Dagano was just making so many subtle adjustments down the stretch, whereas Steve's very much a, I trust my guys type of guy, and he doesn't have that type of roster. So, yeah, it's been frustrating watching. But that said, if they make a move to add more veterans, he is a veterans coach. He's got it done in the playoffs a handful of times. Can't say he hasn't. And he has the buy-in of his superstar, like unquestioned trust. I think this is always left out of the conversation here and people are like why does he run more pick and roll it's like you think you think Steph's asking him for pick and roll and he's like no <laughs> come on it's like he's it's Steph can do whatever he wants Steph can launch it from the his own free throw line and Steve won't do anything about it you know it's like he's got his un 
question trust. And, and I think that's an underrated quality. So yeah, I mean, well, he's a four-time coach. You're not going to fire him mid-season. Well, not to mention this, the, 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 simple, the simple fact that like, don't underestimate too, just as a competitor, what a trade, like a trade for Siakam could do to re-engage him from that standpoint. Right. And I think, I still think Steve Kerr is one of the top tier coaches in the league overall. And and, and I think that like, to me, it, you, you put it perfectly, like he's a veterans coach. So, you know, we, we mentioned that nine game stretch. Let's say it goes South. Like, let's say they just have a really Portland's playing pretty well. Let's say they, they lose to Portland somehow. And then they go to Denver and they lose Miami beats them. Dallas beats them. Orlando beats them. And suddenly we come back to like a three and six stretch and they're, you know, four games out of the 10 seed. And it just looks really, really bleak. And, and, and it just it, like, and they decide to go another direction, meaning like, instead of, you know, they start to keep young guys and acquire more young talent, get rid of some of the veterans. Yeah. They go that way. Yeah, it, it might be worth because I, I 100% agree with you. Like Steve Kerr is a doghouse coach. He's he's a guy that he's so obsessed with winning that particular game that like he's I mean, so quick to go away from the young guys. And he's so he's so veteran heavy. Like the game that will stick into my mind is the in-season tournament game where Sack came back 28 on that. Was it 28? Yeah. It was 20 plus. And the only player who was feeling it was Moses Moody. And what does he do? Subs him out to allow Sacramento to come all. Those were like the type of things where I'm like, you know, maybe it's time for a new voice. Those are the type of little things. But to your point, if they're going to lean more into the veterans and just say, you know, we like the kids, but we don't love them. We don't need all of them here. We need to be consumed with this season, next season. And what happens after that happens after that. Like, you're not going to do better than Steve Kerr with that as that type of coach. Yep. No, I a hundred percent agree. And it, and again, like I, I just think, I think you lean on, you lean into what your specific strength is. Like your strength in that case would be experience and continuity mixed with a new influx of talent with Siakam. I don't think you mess with that by changing the coach. Um, well, Sam, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to come hang out today. Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Just if you want Warriors content, check out Light Years Pod. We go live after basically every Warriors game feed stays updated. And I appreciate it. I was thinking about it. We picked the perfect time to do it. We were kind of uh, uh, texting, like, when should we do this? And we'd have got a completely different show if we did this a week ago after the Clipper game when Draymond's like, who knows what's going on? Uh, it's just it's funny how that works, but it's a long season, right? Well, dude, when, when, when it was uh, when it was bad shot, run out Celtics layup, bad shot, run out Celtics layup. Like there was, yeah. there's a version of today's show that could have swung just sure. based on what happened. If the last game night. stopped in the third <laughs> quarter, literally. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, make- we did the Celtics a favor not talking about that. Oh but- god, <laughs> I, oh god. Uh, but yeah, uh, Andy and Sam do an incredible job uh, covering the Warriors on a daily basis. I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Sam, again, thanks for coming to hang out. As always, I appreciate all of you guys uh, for supporting the show we'll be back with a couple of film sessions on thursday and friday before we head into the weekend i will see you guys tomorrow Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, 
That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.